0: good to go good morning, good morning. and welcome st. James as you may have noticed Jesus has found his way back to the church my he wife left my wife and her crew were making million-dollar relish on Thursday and my grandchildren were in the nursery and Wesley comes out I found Jesus I found Jesus <laughs> <laughs> he was in the crib So welcome back Jesus. Today is trivia day as far as the Gospels go. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to Thee, O Lord, our Savior and Redeemer, Amen. So did you know that of the 27 books of the New Testament, that Paul the Apostle is responsible for writing 13 of them. This includes Romans, Galatians, first and second Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, first and second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, Titus and Philemon. Did you also know that during his travels, Paul visited more than 50 cities towns, and villages, and through that mission, he traveled close to 10,000 miles by land and sea. And he's credited with planting at least 14 churches. Here's a man who didn't know the meaning of taking it easy. He was as driven an individual as you'd ever likely meet. But he wasn't always like this. He was a very different person before his conversion. See, Paul came from a world where he had two identities. He was a Jew by nationality, but he was also a Roman citizen. This unique combination ultimately enabled Paul to travel and speak for God in places and languages that few people could have done at that time. Saul belonged to the tribe of Benjamin, a tribe well known for its fierce and zealous devotion. Unfortunately, Paul wasn't a Levite, so he couldn't become a priest, but he could do the next best thing and become a member of the Pharisees. After completing his studies in Tarsus, he was accepted into the school taught by the Pharisee scholars in Jerusalem, and there he studied under the famous teacher Gamaliel. His passion for learning was as great as was his ability to absorb and comprehend information. Saul was deeply passionate about his religion and being accustomed to a life of self-denial he paid careful attention to right doing as by the Pharisees. Saul was totally committed to becoming a Pharisee. He was a zealot in every detail, energetic, intense and ideological. He was an exemplary student And because he was blessed with a superior intellect, his teachers were confident that the young man would be a bright future, had a bright future within their ranks. Paul completed his schooling in four years and joined the ranks of the Pharisees. But while Saul was in school, word continued to spread about Jesus and his teachings. And by the time Saul left school, these Christians were a real problem for the Sanhedrin. Now because the Christians chose to defy the demands of the Sanhedrin the religious leaders of that time felt that they had no alternative but to punish the Christians. In their minds they had no option but to destroy the apostles and their followers to protect their religion, their city and their way of life. And Saul was more than willing to do just that. Saul was put right to work arresting these Christians, lawbreakers and throwing them into prison or worse as in the case of Stephen whom they arrested and stoned to death. And one treatise I read, Saul was referred to as Saul the Butcher. After reading this, I thought, really? This is the man that God chose to take his message to the Gentiles? Really? But then who am I, or who are we, to question God's plans? Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus was dramatic and life-altering. See, Saul got word that because of the persecution of the Christians in Jerusalem and the surrounding area, that they were fleeing to Damascus. Saul approached the leaders of the Sanhedrin asking for letters that he could take to Damascus, giving him permission to arrest these criminals and bring them back to Jerusalem to be punished. And here we pick up Acts 9, verse 3 to 9. As he neared Damascus on his journey, Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asks. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replies. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what to do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. All that Saul thought he knew about these Christians was thrown out the window. Now God's choice makes sense. In fact, who else but Saul could carry God's message to the Gentiles? and so his journey and missions began just like thomas who would not believe that jesus had indeed risen from the dead unless he were to see him in the flesh himself so then too did saul now paul need to see and hear a risen jesus christ to see the truth of god's plan now let's skip ahead two or three years paul had been very busy traveling from city to city spreading the good news When he received a letter from chloe outlining the divisions in the church in corinth this is indeed an extensive letter covering a great many topics but our reading for this morning deals with the resurrection of christ although paul was not with jesus during his ministry paul was visited by a resurrected christ on the road to damascus and so he knows firsthand that jesus had indeed been raised from the dead This, my friends, is at the heart, the keystone, in my mind, of our Christian faith. Paul presses this point through 58 verses in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. That Christ died for us, all of us, to save us from our sins. That he was crucified on the cross, that he died and was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, and that he ascended into heaven. Just as he said he would, and just like the prophecies, from, from before had predicted. Now if I told you that I saw some guy leading a donkey right up the middle aisle of this church and parking it right there, chances are you'd say I was a nut. In fact, you'd probably be wondering where my, that jacket was with the long sleeves or where the short white bus was parked outside. But if 60 or 70 people came to you and said that same story and told you who the guy was chances are you'd believe him now this is a far cry from seeing a resurrected Jesus but listen starting in verse 5 and then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve after that he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters in the same time most of whom are still living though they have fallen asleep then he appeared to James then the, all the apostles and last of all He appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Now, in the King James Version, abnormally born, he was born too late in his mind. He would have loved to have been one of Jesus's disciples. This is eyewitness testimony by over 500 people. Any court in the land would accept this as truth. Paul goes on to say, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. If that were the case, then what are we doing here? We could, be, we could have slept in. We could have been eating breakfast with some friends. If we don't believe in the resurrection, then the enemy has really won we're admitting that death that death does indeed have power over us and we would have every right to fear it we desperately try to avoid it yet we know it's inevitable and that we would be, that would be the end of it of us but i want but what i want to tell you today reminds you but i want what i want to tell you today reminds you of what today is it's sunday and we're all here worshiping and that it's not inevitable, not the end. Death doesn't need to have the power over us that we give it. In fact, it's already been defeated. Its power over us is weakening. It's this truth about the reality of Jesus, but not only about Jesus, but about you, about me, and the world we live in. And it has important implications for God and for my future and your future. It is a claim that is at the very heart of the Christian faith, and it's just like Paul told us. Jesus Christ was indeed raised from the dead. He was the first fruit, and one day when he returns, he will come for us. I call on you today to put your trust in God and his risen son, Jesus Christ, and to share your faith with others. Let them know that death isn't the end. It's just the beginning. Now, I'd like to share a song with you. It's one of my favorite songs. It's by Chris Tomlin. And it's called I Will Rise. Hopefully this thing works. There we go now, it's connected.
1: There's a piece I've come to e mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Let's bow our heads in prayer. Resurrected Lord, you've conquered the grave. You came in the form of a humble man, but rose in glory. The risen Savior, Jesus Christ, is who gives us hope. Hope for today, and hope for all our tomorrows. Give us the opportunity to share this good news with others today and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.